listening to the Retail Razor Show, where your expert hosts and their guests cut through the clutter in retail and retail tech to shape the future of retail. Hello and welcome to a special Season 2, Episode 10, Part 2 of the Retail Razor Show. This is the second of our multi-part series recorded live and in person at the NRF 2023 show in January. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. And I'm your co-host, Casey Golden. Welcome to the Retail Razor Show, retail's favorite podcast for product junkies, commerce technologists, and everyone else in retail and retail tech alike. And for this special bonus, welcome NRF fans to our hot take hashtag NRF Live miniseries. So Casey, just like our last episode, this is a special podcast crossover event with Jeff Roster, host of This Week in Innovation podcast. We recorded this series live and in person at the NRF show in the fabulous lounge space our good friends at Avanade graciously allowed us to use. Yes, a special shout out to our friends and sponsors at Avanade for giving you and Jeff such a great space to set up and record. These are not easy areas to find. Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Especially at the Javits Center. <laughs> so so let's get right to it then. So Casey, when I say last mile logistics to you, what do you think of? Delivered to my door in two hours with a smile. <laughs> All right. Well, then this episode is really going to fascinate you, hopefully as much as it will our listeners. Jeff and I had the pleasure of interviewing Kushal Nahata, the CEO of FarEye, and Judd Marcello, FarEye's CMO. And wow, did we learn a lot about how retailers can make their last mile logistics not only more efficient, cost-effective, and more sustainable, but also do it while giving their customers a much better and, dare I say, personalized delivery experience. Very cool. I'm digging it. And now I want to know how FarEye is doing all of that. It's a pretty tall order. And let's face it, this is pretty much table stakes for any e-commerce operation. Yeah, I I agree. And I'll just say that if you're trying to balance between getting your delivery costs down with giving your customers what they want, this is an interview you want to take notes from. I don't want to give away too much, but be on the lookout for some interesting trends on what consumers want more than fast delivery from their e-commerce orders. All right, now I'm getting a bit anxious. You know how much I love a good e-commerce discussion. Let's have it already. (laughs) No, I'm with you. I'm with you. So let's jump in and listen to our interview with Kushal and Judd. Welcome, everyone. I'm Ricardo Belmar, and I'm here with Jeff Roster, host of This Week in Innovation podcast. And we are continuing our NRF 2023 series with two special guests, Kushal Nahata, the CEO of FarEye. Welcome, Kushal. Welcome. Hi, everyone. And Judd Marcello, FarEye's CMO. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Thank you, guys. Thank you both for being here. So, Jeff, why don't we just jump right in? Sounds good. Sounds good to you. All right. So, Kushal and Judd, why don't you give us just a couple quick sentences so we're all familiar with what FarEye does? Yeah. So, look, uh, we, we are a last mile delivery platform. We essentially help all of us as consumers get the products delivered to our doorsteps at the time we need, with the choices we want to make. And we do that by enabling all the brands, retailers, and logistic companies to be efficient and do deliveries the way consumers need and want it. Okay, excellent. All right, so we've got four questions for you that we're really interested in 
hearing about. So start off. Let's talk about uh, e-commerce, of course. Uh, you know, obviously, we're, there's more e-commerce spending happening. Retailers have been ramping up their capabilities around fulfillment, delivering e-commerce. So with that influx in e-commerce spending, how are retailers reinventing their approach to delivering a better experience all the way to consumers' doorsteps? So maybe I'll go first. COVID was the time when generally the e-commerce took off for every single retailer because consumers couldn't move out. They can't go to these stores. So everything happened online. And one of the biggest challenge was the delivery network and capability didn't exist in the way retailers desired for it. And it was a sudden peak. So what we've seen retailers really innovating is going for a hybrid model. And by hybrid, what I mean is a part of it is their own fleet, which gives them more control, gives them directly voice of the customer, how and what they need it. And at the same time, they're partnering with third-party delivery networks, and which is not limited to, let's say, top two or top three delivery service providers, but they are working with regional, with local delivery service providers as well. Now, how this helps is it gives them scale, it gives them control, and it also helps them optimize the cost because the local regional players are sometimes more efficient from a cost perspective, but then the challenge is they can't scale nationally. So if you build that as a network, it becomes a super strategic competitive advantage for your brand. And that's what, if you see, most of the top retailers have done in the last five to 10 years. And I think, you know, in addition to what Kushal said, if you're a retailer and you're prioritizing that innovation in your in your logistics, in your delivery logistics, in your operations, creating efficiencies, then that enables you to then focus on the customer experience because that's the other area of innovation. And when you think about deliveries, for consumer deliveries, the consumer now has so much control dictating what they want, where they want to receive it, when they want to receive it. You know, they've been fed the idea of next day delivery, same day delivery. Now, so now the consumer expectations are increasingly high. And I think if you're a retailer today, if you're focused on making the delivery experience from, from order to when they're on the website and they click the buy button to when that package lands on their, their front doorstep, if you make that seamless for the consumer, if you make it easy and it's convenient for them and they have a sense of control in that, that is one way to win that consumer and ultimately win them for the long term. So what exactly... Are you a platform that that gig economy folks can plug in, UPS, all that, and your your ultimate customer is the retailer who's using you as a platform to figure out that last mile? Yeah. So you need to understand that as a platform to manage and scale deliveries, it could be through your own fleet where you're running some part of your fleet on your own, or it could be a logistic company who has thousands of fleets of their own. It could be third-party delivery network, which is what you said, the gig workers and all are connected to the platform. So one, and then there is the orchestration. When the order comes, what's the best way to deliver that order with a super delightful experience to the consumer? Mm. Wow. Wow. So you're making that decision, whether it's going out on a Uber driver or it's going out on UPS carrier or or some other strategy, some other retailer owned own mechanism. Absolutely. And actually our journey starts a step before. So when you and I as consumers go onto the e-commerce platforms of the website, we help them brand show the right delivery options to the consumers in terms of when you're scrolling a product, when can you get it delivered? And then also, so first is giving those choices to the consumers so that they find enough options to place the order. 
then choosing the right delivery provider, and then providing the live tracking and experience. If you want to change the delivery, if you want to change the time, you can do that. And at the end, monitoring the entire journey from an operations perspective that was it delivered on time and with the desired experience and with the cost that was planned for it or not. Wow. Wow. So, so you really have components on the consumer side that address all the pieces the consumer wants, which is what you just described, you know, the, all the communication Correct. points exactly. for, that originate from the, what they perceive as the retailer, right? Telling them it's shipped, when it's coming, how long it's going to take, if there's a delay, et cetera. But you've also got behind the scenes for the retailer's benefit, you're optimizing this process. So you're always trying to find the lowest cost method, let I'll say, right? To, Correct. to get that done. Absolutely. And look, probably a decade ago, like each each retailer or each store had its own experience. When you walk into the store, the colors, the way shelves are pr- placed, the way products are placed. Now, the same thing you need to look at from an online perspective as well, that each brand needs to design their delivery journey, which is a part of its identity itself. What are the options do I want to give to my consumer? How will they track? And irrespective of who's delivering, it's a branded delivery experience, which mm-hmm. is promised by the retailer. Mm. Wow. Wow. And it's also, and one of the other things to throw in there too, it's not just marrying the consumer side and the logistics side. In a way, it's like, if you can get that right and you're in a position where you can innovate, it's also, it's what options you give the customer in order to receive their goods. So when you think about fulfillment and you think about innovation, like drone becoming more important, right? There are, you you can do drop-off lockers if you're within a city. So you create more optionality for the consumer to make sure they can access that product. So delivery doesn't necessarily need to be to their front door. It could be to a space that's convenient for them on their way home from work. So, you know, that innovation then, once you start to get the logistics piece worked out and then you you understand what your capabilities are, you can layer in that kind of like customer experience innovation into the offering. So you're the platform, the hub. You don't care whether that in-deliverable is a truck a drone or a flying car in a few years you, you don't you don't care whatever the evolution of of that 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 vehicle or it's a robot or a, wow interesting you can and the put way into we anything. say it is it's it's definitely important what you deliver but it's more important how you deliver yeah because as consumers we are now hooked to the experience how it's getting delivered to me so brands really investing and in improving their delivery experience and that's why last mile is super complex because one is the mode, which is which type of vehicle is delivering, but also if you go from where you're getting it delivered, it can be delivered from a store, it could be a fulfillment center, it could be a micro fulfillment, which a lot of companies are investing in, mm-hmm. or it could be a distribution center as well. So you can have multiple points from where the products can be delivered. You can have multiple ways through which product can travel but eventually what you want to optimize for is a delightful delivery experience at an affordable or a lesser mm. cost. Wow. Wow. Well, so you kind of, I think, almost answered the next question. <laughs> already because, but let's maybe go in a little more detail because everything you just kind of described, Kushal, but I, th- I think it speaks really strongly to how, from the retailer's perspective, you're giving a much more efficient and optimized process versus the alternative, which would be that they have to do all of this themselves. Right. Because you, you're giving them essentially this multi-sided platform that connects all the areas they need from consumer, retailer, to whoever is doing the logistics. And do, do I mean, for example, do 
Do other third-party logistics providers also plug in to you in order to have, get access to those retailers as well? Absolutely. So look, the way we were trying to solve the problem when we started as far I was, how do we democratize a delightful delivery experience at an affordable cost for every single retailer? It shouldn't be limited to, let's say, top one or top two retailers because it'll not be an offline only, it'll never be an online, it'll be an omni-channel the way we see. And then we can we can debate which category, how much percentage is online, how much percentage is offline. But as consumers, we want all options. We want to get into the store. We want to buy it from our website as well. We want to get it today. We want to get it tomorrow. Mm. Then sometimes we want it scheduled delivery, which could be one week later. Or we would say, look, it's a furniture or let's say it's a large appliance and I need to be at home to receive that product. So it can be only delivered between 3 to 5 p.m., because that's the time I'll be at home. So now, this is the options we all look, look for. Wow, wow. And now just look at from a retailer's perspective, how much complex it is. Mm. And if you then decode the number of carriers in any single country, like if you just talk about America, each city has few hundreds of local carriers. Mm. Wow. Each yeah. city. Yeah. And each city. Because, each city. I mean, is each... I, a gig driver and individual driver, or is that part of it? Like it's a gig drivers. Then you have small DSPs which are serving in small neighborhoods. They have five to wow. ten drivers. Wow. These are small entrepreneurs, and hmm. you want to create employment. You want to give them opportunity. The problem is they are not connected to the retailers. So building there. a platform where they are connected gives them more business, and it gives access to the brands and retailers to be able to do affordable deliveries across the country. Wow. Wow. I think the other thing too, when it comes to, we're talking about a platform now where you can plug in other vendors and it, it, one, of the, one of the benefits of that is it's ultimately visibility. And the thing that you really need visibility of to be able to address all the complexities in last mile, like Kushal talked about, the one consumer that has, you know, five or six demands in their individual delivery and you have to hand that, handle that across scale, it's data. And you have to be able to have that, le that level of data visible to you in real time. So then ultimately you can optimize your entire operations through that. And that, that data visibility piece is, is the biggest component. This is software. So everybody, everybody, it's all run on data and be able to understand your kind of universe of delivery data and to be able to optimize that goes a long way to servicing the customer, but also probably the most important thing, stat, I'll throw a stat at you, 53% of all delivery costs exists within the last mile. So the last mile is in, not only is it 53%. complex, 53%. So the last mile is complex, but it's also expensive. So the more you can do to decrease complexity and decrease cost, the better it is for your business. And, and that 53%, I'm sure that's the biggest single piece. Absolutely. Out of the whole. Absolutely. And like in RFV, a lot of retailers come down to our booth today. And I think two, three different top patterns, if I say one, we work with one or two carriers. It's getting expensive. Everyone is increasing rates. December itself, a lot of those top carriers have increased their rates, which is a public news. Right. We want to reduce the risk. But at the same time, we want to have control. Because if we can't track, if we can't promise a delivery experience, we will lose the customer. So you want to reduce the cost by an ability to work with multiple carriers but at the same time, you want to have more control. And that's where I think the platform or a software plays a critical role 
where you can not only orchestrate the right carrier, but you can track and then you use performance as a way to allocate more business. So it's somewhere a self-incentivized model that you do deliveries on time, you'll get more business. If I do late, I'll get lesser business. So it automatically corrects. And I think some part of it around efficiency and around sustainability also ties in because if you try to look at it, look, sustainability and cost, I don't think they are kind of on opposite sides. I think they are primary on the same sides. If you're a super efficient company, like if you produce what is getting 100% consumed, you are a sustainable company in one way. If you are able to have minimum number of kilometers to deliver to the consumer, you are a sustainable company. But you're not just sustainable, but you're profitable as well because you're spending less in terms of fuel, you are having needs for lesser number of drivers. You need lesser number of vehicles to get products delivered as well. So, feel efficiencies and sustainability are fundamentally connected problem. Specifically, when you try to look at it from a delivery and last mile perspective, like another pattern which we are seeing, retailers have started giving options to consumers that you can get it delivered same day, but here's a carbon friendly or a more sustainable delivery as well. And we don't need all products same day. But there was no incentivization for us to wait for another day or so. And we want control. We want, mm -hmm. as consumers, control with us. And we want to make an informed decision. So this just small option of a carbon-friendly delivery with that small green color, we're seeing mm -hmm. consumers <laughs> go ahead and just click it there mm. because they feel we are okay. Yeah. And they also feel confident because they are making the choice. It's not really mandated to them. You're not taking away a same-day delivery choice from them, but you're saying it's, it's again, like we all want to be more sustainable. We want to be informed and we want to make our own decisions. So I think that's where the technology really plays a critical role where you're able to combine it and give it to the consumer's hand to make those choices. And do you think it's trending more in that direction on the consumer side that consumers want to click on that sustainable it option? It is definitely. the same day delivery. Absolutely. Yes. So a yeah. couple of options, like a lot of big retailers, they started where you're ordering, let's say each day. They started saying, we'll combine all your orders and deliver, let's say, on a specific day mm -hmm. in a week. And consumers are okay with that. Because for them also, it's easier to get all the packets or all the stuff together. Then other is, if you want fast, you can get it, but you're okay to wait. And that's also helping. And somewhere they're also incentivizing back the extra money to the consumer. Where you're saying, we'll give you a gift coupon of $1 if you wait for two days. So you're getting sustainable. You're getting some money back. And you don't need it today. So you're actually happy that way as well. And they're saying, look, I'm a more sustainable consumer. And I'm more informed in that perspective. Wow. Who holds those orders? If somebody wanted to consolidate three or four different orders are you holding that merchandise in some warehouse or the retailer or how you know how, how would you orchestrate that yeah and that's a great question and that's where a lot of these micro that's a logistics question yeah. you could tell yeah. i'm a logistics yeah. guy i don't want to own that inventory 100 <laughs> percent. and that's where a lot of these micro fulfillment centers and dynamic planning is now started in the systems oh i see we're based on the delivery date you're setting up a pickup time and you know the efficiency of your network you know, the delivery time of your network. And that's where I feel like logistics has really changed in the last couple of years. It's become a hardcore data play now. Mm -hmm. Like at any stream, you need to be able to plan 
you know exactly how much time it takes to move it from point A to point B and what are the options you have. Now, once you have that data, that decisioning is taken care by AI or by optimization platforms to really get those things together and not making you hold inventory for a long time. Wow. That's, you know, it's one of the things that Kushal likes to say is that any company, any retailer or e-commerce company that considers themselves customer centric really needs to be a logistics and delivery company today, you know, because, because there's, there's so much of, of what we do that is based on that. What they do is based on deliveries. You have to optimize that for all the reasons that we've been talking about. Very cool. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about the returns process, because obviously, and I think we're all going to hear a lot about this during sure. NRF is just the, the return situation is, is so dramatically increased. I, I think you, you clearly must be uniquely positioned to help retailers with that whole returns logistics process. Yeah. Absolutely. So look, there's one perspective which I have, and recently we've seen a lot of companies move towards that, where I would say the free returns, A, was never free. Yeah. Someone totally. was paying for it <laughs> while we were exploiting it. <laughs> the, the most expensive thing in the, in the world is a free lunch. There That's is right. no free lunch. That's right. Dad That's told right. me that 40 years ago. It's still true to this day. Nothing is as expensive as a free lunch. 100%. And so a lot of these companies are moving away from free returns to you pay a fee, at least a delivery or a shipment fee. And this is just to make each one of us a little more responsible for what we are buying, unless there's a product fault. Sure. So that's one part which we're seeing. But then the other is really optimizing the returns. See, there are certain product types, specifically, I would say in furniture and white goods, where the cost of getting the product back from consumer to the warehouse, doing the quality check, and putting it back for a sale, is more than the price of the product itself. It's so funny you mentioned that. Over the holidays, spending some time with family, my brother-in-law bought, he has a pool out in the back of his house, bought a fire pit. Probably about four by four fire pit. It came dented. They called oh. the company. The company said, we'll get another one out to you this week and you can keep the dented one. Because, and it was an expensive <laughs> yeah. product. I mean, we're talking, you know, hundreds of dollars. And they just said, no, don't it, it's, it. we don't they want don't it. it it's going to be too much of a hassle you keep yeah. it and they're like what do we do with it we said they said we don't care we'll just get you a new one <laughs> so collectively if you look at it right the cost of moving the product back from consumer to the warehouse then adding the entire process cost to get it back to the supply chain and then it could be that you want to sell it again or there are a lot of companies which have started the refurbish platforms as well where they have rebranded and they're kind of selling for less for some of these products. I think the same example Jet said, maybe it's dented or maybe it's mm -hmm. not 100% the same, but you get it at a super cheap price as well. So that's one side of it. But also logistically, how do you really optimize? And the, the interesting part is it's dynamic. So it's not static. Like you can't predict these 50 products or these 50 orders will be returned. You can do a certain ratio, but you don't know which products, which consumers would actually do the return. And that's where we see last mile actually super dynamic as well, both from a forward and a reverse journey. And by doing a lot of these real-time dynamic optimization, you're able to reduce the cost. A lot of times the vehicles are coming back empty. So you can do a lot of these returns in those empty returns as well when the vehicle is trying to come back. Or you can plan one week, two weeks forward based on your forward journey and use the same trips or same vehicles to do the returns as well. That helps you reduce the cost. You partner with an e-commerce platform 
to launch what is called as a e-commerce and mm-hmm. make that products available at lesser price. So you kind of a making it more sustainable because you're not just throwing away the products or you're not giving it free. Like the example Judge said, like because in that case, all of us would just go for free. And as you said, there's nothing. Call is free lunch ever. It's one of the most expensive part of the thing. And then charging the consumer as well, I feel, is maybe it's just a small basic fee, but just makes it more intelligent and more known to if you're ordering something we really needed or we're just trying to just shop around and maybe return back. Yeah, you know what's so interesting about that? Oh, God, it was probably seven or eight years ago where I first had a real conversation with an executive of one of the big companies out there that was really passionate about returns. Never spent 10 seconds thinking about it. And from that kind of anecdotal conversation in a bar to today, the amount of conversations around it returns, how expensive returns are, and how in some ways there's a responsibility for the consumer to be maybe a little more judicious about returns. And then the counter is retailers and manufacturers have to be very, very serious about sizing sure. and all the, cause I mean, so it's not just one side or the other. It's, it's this problem that everybody owns, but I think there's technology solutions for that. And I think we're sort of in the process of seeing that. But I mean, I've probably in the last three months, I've heard more discussion about we can no longer do free returns. It's just not sustainable. Sure. And which is an interesting argument on the sustainability side. So you're not, you're, your position is not a takeaway from a consumer, but do you understand the cost of doing this? I, I, I just, any way to keep something from coming back in is fantastic from my perspective. Absolutely. And I think you made a great point. It's not just the consumer, it's all the brands and the retailer side as well. So, and we've seen a lot of our customers who use the returns as well. So one part of our solution is it gives you insights why the products were returned. And then you can bucketize and see the top buckets. And you'll find interest. So one of the, with one of the customers, the topmost reason was the image of the product shown online versus what they yeah. receive as mm-hmm. a product was different. Now, yeah. these I've are things which is yep. oh, yeah. part I've of the control, happen. which business. So you fig- if you want to reduce the returns, See, collectively, and we can have sub-segments in retail, but it's about 30 to 35% of overall retail is online. And one of the three orders is kind of returned cross categories. So if you look at it, there's almost a starting double-digit return orders or return revenue, which is at risk of the total GMV, which a business is having and which is a lot of. So I'm talking about 10 to 15% of a GMV which is flowing back to the retailer, which is a lot of money if you try to look at it. Now, if you A, make it more selective for the consumer by giving some of those options, but as a brand, if you figure out these are the top three reasons why consumers are returning my products or based on specific SKUs, specific regions, and just use that data Mm -hmm. to optimize, I think we've seen huge value in overall returns also reducing by brands improving the way they are making promises to the end consumers. And then also on the size, as you said, the sizes are not exactly uh, Sometimes made they're not even close. Correct. And, and yeah. I, I'll say that as a, as a man. I mean, it, the, the, the range is insane. And that, so that needs to get fixed. That need, that, that's on everyone. And I think hopefully, I think what's really interesting is I never, ever would have called returns as a trend two years ago, three years ago, today, when, you know, because we're, Ricardo and I are, gonna, are being asked constantly, what do you think the big trends are? Better management of, re- of returns. 
I wouldn't say yeah. it's the number one trend, but it's it's definitely sure. in my it's, top. It's near the top five. Near the top. Yeah. yeah, because the cost yeah. is. I mean, it, it hits every. It hits everything. It's a, it's a revenue sink. It's a sustainability issue. Bring them all on. Let's fix this problem. Absolutely. Look, the top trends at least we are seeing at Farai. One is definitely optimizing the cost of delivery. That's mm-hmm. like. 59% of the retailers say that's their number one goal for 2023. Wow. wow. And that obviously links to the returns part of the things as well because that's the overall mm-hmm. cost. The other we're seeing is moving from pure speed to a committed delivery promise. So I think that's that's an evolution we had yeah, as a, right. a overall community where it's not about delivering, deliver to me as fast as you can, but make a promise and deliver within that promise. I think right. that is the great progress I would see as a community. And the third is more towards sustainability, which kind of ties in. I don't see all of these as separate. I think they're connected. They're all connected. Yeah. And the fourth yeah. one is what you said as well, which is managing returns well, both from reducing it and then also what do you do with the products which are returned. Right. Good stuff. It's, it's, it's interesting. You know, Jeff, early on in the conversation, you, you suggested our, our cu- primary customer was a retailer. You know, and as somebody, you know, I'm a B2B marketer today, but I used to be a B2C marketer. And I think the mindset that we have is our primary customer is really the end consumer. You know, if, if we're, if we're focused on the end consumer and mm-hmm. building a proposition that will make things better for them and ultimately make them repeat customers, then yeah. our, 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 our customer, the retailer mm-hmm. is going to want to do more work with us and ultimately, you know, deliver a better experience, a delivery yeah. experience for their consumer. That's the way we have to think about yeah. it. Interesting. Yeah, you're, you're really driving that brand loyalty That's to right. the retailer, right? With, That's right. With the decision you're providing. And uh, my, kind of my takeaway from what, Kashal, you were saying is really it's that the promise they're making to the customer is becoming more valuable than the speed. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And some of the, I would say, industries within retail as well, if you look at, let's say, furniture or let's say white gloves which weren't really as advanced as parcel deliveries. Mm-hmm. But now they, as consumers, we're saying, it doesn't matter. We want the same experience. We want to track where their order is. We want to be at, able to reschedule if we want to do that. And so a lot of furniture, big and bulky companies as well, we're seeing the same trend where they're trying to digitalize their supply chain, get real-time visibility, and then start optimizing. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Jen, Kishal, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a, a fascinating discussion. I think I come away with a, a lot of learnings here uh, on the, about I mean, last mile logistics. From five, you, Jeff. five years ago, <laughs> I, there, there wasn't last mile. I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but maybe last mile in the store, but never. I mean, the amount of innovation, of course, this week in innovation, we love innovation. It's, uh, it's insane how much is happening exactly. in this, in this last mile. And it's, it's it's great it's great to cover it and I wish you you guys the best of luck in, in being more efficient, more sustainable, helping retailers sort of figure out this whole craziness. And I tell you, just reporting the the numbers that you're seeing might be enough to, sure. for for us as consumers to say, wow, we need to really yeah. maybe yeah. start to think differently. Yeah. So so the best of luck to you. Yeah, thanks, Chef. Thank Ricardo. you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank yep. you very thanks much. Thanks again. Thank you both. Bye. Welcome back, everyone. So did you catch that nugget about consumer preference for fulfilling a delivery promise versus speed of delivery? I know that's one of my main takeaways. Yeah, like I said, lots of amazing info from Farai in this interview. And as Jeff said in the recording, it wasn't that many years ago that we barely talked about last mile logistics. And now look at all the great points Kashal and Judd made about 
lowering costs, being more sustainable, how to not only leverage your consumer preferences, but doing it in a cost-effective manner while, while still providing all the conveniences those consumers want. And when you think about all the consumer preferences, Kashal and Judd mentioned, from keeping a delivery promise to having the flexibility to change that delivery promise once the order is already in progress, to just show how varied these delivery promises and expectations can be from product type to product type. When you think about it, we all know that getting a piece of furniture delivered is completely different than getting a new Prada bag. 100%. I certainly came away knowing a lot more about the finer details of last mile logistics. And I have to say, FarEye is really doing something unique with their platform that's worth paying attention to. Absolutely. Well, Ricardo, I think that's a wrap for part two of our NRF live series. I can't wait to see what's coming up next in part three. Yeah, Jeff and I have even more super interesting people to talk about coming up, including micro-fulfillment and another one of your favorite topics, Casey, Web3. Now you're just teasing me. Let's wrap up this episode. If you enjoyed our show, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Remember to smash that subscribe button in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a minute. Want to know more about what we talked about today? Take a look at the show notes for handy links and more deets. I'm your co-host, Casey Golden. If you'd like to connect with us, follow us on Twitter at KCC Golden and Ricardo underscore Belmar, or find us on LinkedIn. Be sure and follow the show on Twitter at Retail Razor, on LinkedIn, and on our YouTube channel for the latest updates and content. I'm your host, Ricardo Belmar. Thanks for joining us. And remember, there's never been a better time to be in retail if you cut through the clutter. Until next time, this is the Retail Razor Show.